I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode will watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello listeners, we are back today with another great episode and we have another very special guest. We do. Uh, one of my friends from uh, another, another D&D campaign friend, you may know him as Eskel the Storm Lord's Acolyte or Kazoo the Goblin Bard. <laughs> uh, I know him as my fellow Brobarian. We have our friend Clo. Hey, how's it going? Hello, it's good to be Flo. here. Uh, so we typically ask our uh, um, guests like why they chose this episode, this this particular movie. However, I kind of forced this movie onto Clo. Yeah, it's all good. I want because I wanted to have Clo on the show, and I also this was the most Dungeons and Dragony <laughs> Disney movie I think there is right now. Other than I guess Onward by Pixar, but that seems right. to be like making not making fun of but i actually thought that one was really good so i i we started it you weren't into it i was into it but we i think we're both tired we both wound up like not finishing it we need to start it over uh, and watch it again because we've heard really good things about it someone pointed out to me that the chris pratt part felt like it was written for jack black and now i can't like unsee that yeah i could see that (laughs) i could see that but so, why don't you give us kind of uh, first your history, like with Disney movies, maybe, sure. or just something you remember, or if not, also I'd love to hear you a little bit of your history with D and D. Okay, uh, so I grew up in a small town, East Texas. Um, we didn't have like Disney Channel or anything like that. At most, we would see uh, Disney Channel would do like a one or two week free trial. Throughout the right. year, mm-hmm. That's and so we, yeah, we would have that too. Yeah, so that was that was my Disney Channel experience was those you know one <laughs> or two weeks a year. So yeah, most of the Disney movies that I actually watched growing up, I would watch at my grandparents' house. Um, I think my grandmother had some of them. I was the first grandkid on that side of the family, so I don't know if she started buying them, but I remember watching most of my Disney movies there. Which ones did you watch? I remember Fox and the Hound. That was one of my favorites. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the classics, Sleeping Beauty. and. I'm also curious to hear a little bit about your D&D history. Okay. So, like I said, I grew up in a small town. Uh, we had like 2,000 people. Uh, D&D wasn't really a thing at our high school. I don't know anybody that played in middle school or high school. My friends and I were the kind of people that would have probably, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, also, you know, being a sheltered church kid in the, uh, in the eighties and nineties, don't know if that would have went over with my parents or not at the time. Um, It wasn't until like 2014 that I started or 2015 that I started playing. See, that's funny because I always assumed you've been playing for a long, long time. No. I don't know why. Yeah, so 5th edition came out in 2014, and 
in 2015, there was people started streaming it online. Like they would stream their games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a RPG show called Titan's Grave with Will Wheaton from Star Trek The Next Generation. And yes. uh, so he, he ran a game online and I watched that and I was like, that looks really fun. I should check that out. And one of the cast members was also a cast member on Critical Role, which is just huge when it comes to, to D&D streaming right now. And so I watched that. I'm like, I, I got to play, I got to play this game. So me and my roommate went to the local gaming store like that next week. And I don't think I've gone more than a couple of weeks since not playing. So <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Now it's, it's, it's funny to me because I had a similar thing where I didn't play it until I think I started playing earlier than you did, which again is blowing my mind because I always assumed like you had, because of how like, you're kind of our rules manager, and you're also like very like I you you're one of the best people I you're play with. You're very wise. You're very wise, but it's also <laughs> like you're very like calm and like because I've played with people who've been playing for a long time, and they they're like rules managers or stuff like that, and they're like because you're like here's the rule, but like you're yeah. the DM, so do whatever you want. But um, I when I was in Boy Scouts, somebody brought brought I don't know what edition it was because I never really got to play because I spent all day making this illusionist character. And then I went up and I did something very stupid because I never really played role-playing games before. Like, I don't know, poke the dragon with a stick? Like, I didn't know. And then he, the guy I killed, I died. And the guy basically took my <gasps> character sheet and, like, no. tore it off. And, like, was, it was one of those DMs. Which was the, the, the incident you and I met on was when we would all died that first time at uh, Vigilante Yeah, that Gaming was, that was pretty crazy. Table but, full of, so that's why I, the table okay. full of first level characters and we go down into this crypt and get attacked by all these flesh columns and just which are like level yeah 12, like, yeah like one is a level yeah, 12 it was crazy. bad and i i've never seen tara's eyes glaze over faster <laughs> than the conversation we're clearly having last night i was she came in i was like putting together something furniture and i had star trek the next generation nice. on and Listeners, Tara is usually very, very accepting of a lot of my nerd things, but lately there's a and few a things where she's like... And a lot of them I'm interested in but, as well. But, but it was Star like... Trek, I've just, I haven't gotten into. <laughs> you know, explaining to her, I was like, see, Alexander is Worf's son, and whereas Worf <laughs> is a full-blown, full full uh, Klingon by, by human parents, there is some uh, human, and she's just like, I have never been turned off so faster to anything in my life. And I was like explaining it, trying to be funny, but... Um, so we'll try and get out of this. No, that's oh, fine. I find it interesting to hear your backgrounds in it. Listeners, if you haven't gathered already, I do not play D&D. I know nothing about it. I have played a role-playing game yes. with Chloe and Ryan. Yes. Um, and you were very good at it, too, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that one. Um, Old soup can Sanders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so for me, it's interesting to kind of hear your background and your stories. It's more when you start talking about, like, like when you start using the jargon and that's the same thing with star trek when you start like going into his family history like that's when my eyes glaze over because i'm like this means nothing to me yeah but i think if i was like he's from a warrior race that like is and he's trying to fit in like the general ideas yeah that makes more sense and you were doing it for a laugh yesterday (laughs) and today it's the same thing like i am interested in how this connects like why you think this is a very D and D movie and things like that. I am interested in have, that. Have we mentioned the name of the movie? I think <laughs> we have not. No. 
<laughs> but if you downloaded the podcast, there, you have the yes. title. So we are doing 1985's The Black Cauldron. Yes. Um, but do you know what the the name of the books it's based on? Yeah, so I have some information on that, but I'm curious before we go into it, mm-hmm. has any of us seen it? I have not. I've seen it. Okay, I have not. So one of the so things so to know about this one. So you're the only one who's one, seen it. Yes. Okay. So one of the things to know about this one is it's it was a failure. Yes, I have some some notes about that. And it didn't come out on any sort of media, home video or whatever, until 1998. I have oh, that wow. as well. You're stealing all my facts. I, I, well, I'm saying it for a very specific reason. <laughs> That's because fine. Because when I was in high school, we were like, this is the failed Disney, and it's the first PG Disney movie, and it's dark and blah, blah, blah. And I remember us like... These edgy, like, we used to watch, like, horror movies and stuff in high school. We were like, let's get the Black Cauldron. We'll watch it finally in, like, 1999. And we watched it. We all fell asleep. Like, <laughs> I I think I might enjoy it more now. But at the time, I yeah. think we wanted it to be, like, they're cutting off heads. And, like, you know, we were, like, dumb, late 90s edgelord, Limp biscuit <laughs> listening jerk kids. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense, though, because I was trying to think of the Disney movies that came out when I was, you know, middle school or whatever. And this mm-hmm. fall into that kind of that time range, but I don't remember ever even hearing about it as a kid. It didn't come out till on VHS or whatever until '98. Yeah, that would. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Is me go is like I'd only heard rumors, and this is before the internet, and this is before all this. Yeah. Was like it was all like you know things you'd be built up in our heads, and then we watched it. We're like, that's fine, and it's and in hindsight, the scene I very specifically remember is pretty creepy. Yeah. Like the, the, the cauldron born, which are like these skeletons that come to life at one point. It's creepy. It's not. We, we watched like Evil Dead 1 and hyping. then this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it should have been the reverse. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, as you mentioned, it's 1985 and it was a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So, uh, it yeah, and it was a failure. As you said, it was the first Disney film to not be a musical or contain any songs in it or in the background. Which is funny because one of the characters is a bard. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> like one of the characters. <laughs> yeah. He's a bard who has a, a, a liar that... Whenever he tells a falsehood, it, the string plucks. Oh, and that's he, funny. In the book, he's always talking about his like famous deeds. Because he's like a king in the book, and he gives it up to be a traveling bard. I read the book. It's based on... Yeah, well, so it's, it's based on two books. Um, loosely based on yes. the first two books. Of in, the Chronicles of Prydain? Yeah, so in Lloyd Alexander's Prydain Chronicles. Yes. And then the Book of Three, so it's the Book of Three and Black Cauldron are the two books it's loosely based off of, yes. but the Chronicles are a bigger series. So I read the Book of Three, and I very much enjoyed it. Like, it's it took a little while to get into because the, the main character has an arc, and their arc goes from annoying brat to, like, brave brat. Yeah. And but that annoying Brad at the beginning was very hard to like get into because he's an quote unquote assistant pig keeper and he's like, I wanna be an adventurer and I'm like, please stop. <laughs> but but the the book is really good. There's a female character in it that I I I, I hope she's as good in the movie as she's in the book mm-hmm. because she's very flighty, but she's extremely confident and like, we need to do this and we need to do this. Yeah. Ellen Ellen Wee, which I have stuff about her. But anyway, okay. The book is based off of Welsh mythology. Okay. Um, so that's why the words are like Prydain and like Ellen Wee is like Lots of wise. very hard. Yeah. They don't just roll off the tongue. Yeah. 
Well, and as Ryan mentioned, it's known as the movie Disney Tried to Bury. And when I read that, I was like, well, you'd think the movie Disney Tried to Bury was Song of the South. Like, no. That <laughs> got a this, ride. Yeah, but this is the one that they tried to bury from, like, after it was released. And as he mentioned, due to the dark content, that's why it didn't get a video release till 98. It was also the first film to have the classic white castle with the blue background mm-hmm. so we talked about that early on when does that appear so it appears here so now we will see that and we will see that all the way up until 2006 when the cgi version is used and it's first used in the pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest yeah. so that's the first movie to use the cgi version of the castle um so one of the things also about this is this movie was at one point they thought it might get a pg-13 or an r i saw that yeah and it got it winded up with a pg rating and then the next movie to get a pg rating for disney can you guess dinosaur no there's one oh there's one before that okay uh it's one of our favorites to watch at the holidays Oh, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. That's yeah. right, that's right. So Nightmare got a PG rating, and then Dinosaur, which I was surprised I didn't know Dinosaur had a PG rating. Well, you haven't been on the Dinosaur ride, because the Dinosaur ride no, is the most terrifying not. ride of all time. And if the movie is like half of that. Have you been on the Dinosaur ride? I went on a Dinosaur ride at Disney World when I was... The one that's like all in black... It's like dark room, and there you're trying to save something before a meteor hits. I don't. The only thing I remember is sitting like in the little cart, you know, driving. Oh no! The track and the animatronic dinosaurs. <laughs> That's the universe of energy. Okay. The dinosaur ride is. We'll get to dinosaur. We do dinosaur, but it's the one. It's like completely black, and every once in a while, like a light turns on, and there's a carnosaur like right in your face, nice. and then oh. they take a picture, and they're like, Haha, "Isn't that funny?" And I'm like, <laughs> "My pants are drenched, and I'm crying." Uh, You're traumatized. It was also. <laughs> it was also the first. Full- I was also 23 when I went on. I just make sure. <laughs> <laughs> like something I went on as a kid. It scared well, the heck yeah, out of me. Yeah, because dinosaur adult. didn't come out till right, 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 like yeah. 2000s. Um, but it this was also the first full length Disney animated movie to incorporate CGI in its animation. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting thing to mention. It's a lot of the uh, like cauldron effects and it's a lot of that sort of thing oh, okay uh and then since we mentioned nightmare before christmas tim burton worked as a conceptual artist on this mm-hmm. film as well so it being darker kind of makes sense that he would have been involved in this he i think this is his last one it, it, i believe yeah. so what i read is this was his last one and then he goes on to start his own well he does Wee's big adventure yeah. like right after this it's nuts um the other thing, this they said this was an urban legend, so I don't know how true this is, but it literally said an urban legend on this trivia mm-hmm. fact. But it said that even though it failed in the United States, apparently it was a big hit in Japan, and they say that the creator of Zelda based game elements on the movie. So Weird. He, I, you guys know Zelda. I've played Zelda, but I think both of you know it better than I do. So I'm curious when we watch the film if you guys will agree with that. I have actually never I've played a Zelda game. Oh, really? Oh, I'm really? so sorry. Yeah. I just we also didn't have that. Nintendo in my house when I was a kid, so. I'm so, like, yeah. okay, now we could cut all of this out <laughs> if you don't want to talk about it. But you made a comment at one point where you're like, yeah, we didn't really do magic in my house. Is were you Was that, like, a big thing, or was it just, like, a general church thing where it was, like, frowned? Probably just a general church thing. Like, I specifically remember from the Disney movie collection, the sword and the stone was not one of, one of the options. Mm. <laughs> the magic in it. Uh, Got it. So I imagine that if this had come out at the same time, 
we would have just skipped over to that one and gone on to yeah now, gone to the next one and i think i just assume zelda because it's like in this family well it's a stuff it's a i've played young boy like going out on an adventure sure. and that's kind of what this is yeah, yeah i've played zelda on the switch so i never played it growing up i my friends had super nintendo a good close friend of mine but we zelda was not one of the games we had did you beat link to the past the super i nintendo did one? yeah i really good liked that one well the super nintendo one and then the the, the new the one that came out yeah i liked both of those you beat that one too i think so wow, look at this one i try i try to get a winner there start to finish I'm a I'm a completist <laughs> as um, much as possible. Well, I can I talk a little bit about this this movie in Japan? Yeah, because go right I don't ahead. think this is in the IMDb things. But this actually, the Horned King had an animatronic in Japan. Oh wow! Because what, which so, park? Well, it, it, Tokyo Disneyland. Okay. So um, at the so Cinderella's Castle is the same in both, right? But it's Cinderella's Castle is in in Walt Disney World. In in the United States, yes. it's in the Florida park. Yes. So when they made Tokyo Disney World to Disneyland, they kind of just copied a lot of stuff straight over, just like from the Florida park. Yeah, they did some different stuff, but for the most part, like to save money. But it, you know, Tokyo Disneyland was a huge success, and honestly, around this time where they're having troubles with other stuff, Tokyo Disneyland was one of the things that was bringing in a ton of money. Mm. Got a couple going. But one of the things, well, yeah, one of the things they did in, in this in the Cinderella Castle in Walt Disney World in the bottom was uh, Cinderella's Round Table, which is a restaurant. Mm-hmm. not in, in the tokyo disney world they made a ride that's and, cool and it's a walkthrough ride where you just walk and you're led by a, a uh, um like a host but that host has a spiel like on uh the great movie ride or jungle cruise mm. and what it was is she was she's going to give you a, a, a tour of the castle and you walk in it's all the heroes of disney it's it's all the all the heroes you remember you know snow white sleeping beauty Taryn from uh the black cauldron because <laughs> this came out this happened in like 1985 or, or 84 well the film was 85 well what i'm saying remember how like disneyland came out right before sleeping beauty and they made all that sleeping beauty stuff and i said wow what if they'd done this for a movie that didn't do well oh. tokyo disneyland <laughs> did that yes so you go in and do that and then the magic mirror from sleeping beauty shows up and is like i'm sick of you not paying attention to the villains and all the portraits of the heroes change to their villains. Oh, that's and really he goes, cool. You go through here instead. And this door opens and you go through the dungeon and in the dungeon, you go through like snow, uh, the, the, the hags, the Does evil queen. No, they got rid of it. Oh it well. man. It they go through the so evil cool. queens. But it's just, Cause you're just walking. And the problem is, is you have to get a group of 30 to go. Oh, and then you have to encourage point. people not to like linger. Like it take, took too long to get people through. It's such a cool You go concept. through that. You see, like, all of Maleficent's goons, like, sneaking, like, peeking at you. You go into this one thing, and there's a dragon down there. And then at the end, you have an encounter with the Horned King, where he mm-hmm. tries to get the Black Cauldron to do it. And then you take the sword from the movie. But before you got to that point, there's a huge tapestry that tells the story of the Black Cauldron. And the guide has to explain the story of the Black Cauldron the longer that ride went on, because no one knew the story <laughs> of the Black Cauldron. <laughs> So they would, in oh, order for the ride sucks. to make sense, apparently that section got longer and more in depth every yeah. time. Here's a reference. You get it, right? You get it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. But it's funny because I think I made a joke about this when we did Sleeping Beauty about, like, think if they'd done the Black Cauldron and put all this investment in that, mm. and they did it here. And they did it. Um, the concept, though, of that ride, like, if they could have turned it into a, like, ride where you're in a cart or you're in a vehicle. But, like, I love the idea of the heroes turning to villains and, like, 
I like well, the idea of, yeah, of that. It's, the it's magic really mirror cool. going, I'm sick of you talking about the heroes. We're going to talk about the villains. Yeah. Now. Well, I we think always that's talk a really about we want a concept. villains ride. Yeah. But um, the, that's I, funny. I will say, I will post this. There's a Defunct Land episode. Defunct Land, by the way, listeners, is a really great uh, YouTube series that does like rides that are no longer around or didn't get off the ground. And mm-hmm. they, I think they've done stuff on that uh, proposed villains park or something like that we talked about. But yeah. I'll post a video for this. And it's got a walkthrough. Like, That's someone cool. snuck a video <laughs> camera. And well, I went, and that, and back in, like, the 80s, early 90s, it was not easy to, like, sneak a video yeah, camera. Yeah, right? They were huge. I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the fact that this was in Japan and they might have had like more advanced Technology, consumer electronics. Potentially, but I still think they would have been a larger size then. Right, but no one seems to care. And I think yeah. this guy is one of just, Oh, I see. He's Honestly, got it up yeah, on yeah, his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. He's just watching it. But yeah. Uh, well, I have like only one or two more things. I don't know how much how many facts you have on it. That was my big thing I wanted to talk okay, about was the so ride. Okay, so I've just got one or two more things I wanted to mention. Apparently when the Horn King activates the power <laughs> of the Black Cauldron, the sound of a NASA space shuttle's solid rocket booster oh, being ready fired was used. <laughs> so oh. we're going to have to listen for that because apparently they use that sound, and so I thought that was fun. Now, speaking, speaking wanted- of solid rocket boosters, I also did work at Space Camp for... Several years. Yeah, so. cool. Was that in Houston? Uh, in Alabama, at Huntsville. Oh, okay, in Alabama. Cool. Yeah, That's so awesome. I am so familiar with that. Did you go? Did you go and then work there, or did you just work? I there? didn't. Uh, I always wanted to. You would see the like the shows on Nickelodeon where the prize was, you know. Yes, go to Space Camp. camp yeah. And uh, anyway, so I always wanted to go. And when I was in college, they had a job fair at my school. And Space Camp was there looking for counselors for this program they had going during the spring. So I took a semester off college, went and uh, did Space Camp for seven months and then went back to school. And then the next two summers after that, I uh, was a counselor at Space Camp. That's awesome. That's That's really cool. I did the thing where you go and you do everything in one day. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Yeah. It's like you have a group and you go do everything, but instead of everyone getting a chance to do everything, it's like you're going to be the one kid who does this thing. Uh, and I did the thing where it was like, oh, you feel. No, it's not the spinny Oh, it's one. not the spinny thing? It's, the spinny thing, I don't it's think it's the, the man maneuvering unit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like wearing the backpack and. And you just. It's just on a thing and whatever you do, like it moves. Oh, so that's I'm like, cool. So I also remember that trip because we were in Florida and my mom and I were on a bus and like. We were driving to where we were going in Florida. It was like it was like a Disney trip, I think, but we took one day off to do space camp stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> the whole the whole ride we go, Oh look, there's an alligator on the road. Like they closed a lane of the highway because there were so many alligators coming up on like wow. it flooded or something the day yeah. before and they were like leaving or something. And it was at first we're like, Oh look, there's an alligator. Oh man, there's another one. And then it became like this is the 28th out. Like there were cops, like, like or, yeah. or animal control Wrangling trying to like, them. Get them out. like after a while, like, it was, a, it became, this is funny. Oh, this is a lot to like, to like commonplace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I have uh, that I thought was interesting is for people who are Disney fans who also follow like the management of Disney, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Mm. So at this point, I think it was 84. It's either 84 or 85 management changes. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, Uh, Oh, yeah, I have it in my notes. Management changes in 84. So he becomes the chairman of Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture Division. And he saw a screening. It wasn't 
completely finished, but it was mostly finished of Black Cauldron. And he was appalled by its darkness and graphic nature. Mm-hmm. So he like really was not for this film. He goes, he goes, edit 10 minutes out. And they were like, you can't edit like an animated feature like you can a live action doesn't work that way is all right give it to me and he just took it into an editing bay and started editing it himself oh wow and then michael eisner like had to be told that he came in and they kind of discussed it but like they cut like 10 minutes out there's apparently a part in here where like the music just skips <laughs> because they had to just cut a little scene out yeah. now it's a scene where the cauldron born which are the undead like touch him and he like gets all these boils and melts into like a thing and becomes one. And they were like, Oh yeah, that needs to go immediately. So like this, like just seems yeah, just like, is snipped. But yeah. This is all the whole, uh, Michael Eisner Katzenberg, why they hate each other. Mm. Cause Katzenberg goes on to form, be part of dreams works SKG. Yeah. They make Shrek. And that's one of the reasons why they say Farquad in Shrek looks and seems a lot like Michael Eisner. <laughs> Got it. Um, well, I think if that's everything, do we have anything else we want to say about it? You good, Chloe? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. Yeah, so we will uh we'll be back in a few. Yeah, we'll take this one out of the uh old clamshell or geez, who even knows if this has a clamshell? I don't know. Might have just had a paper. They yeah. might have not spent the extra on. money. Yeah, we're gonna open up the vault and we're gonna take this out. We're yep. gonna watch it and then let you guys know if we wanna put it back. Yeah, in. we'll blow the <laughs> all the dust off of it in the vault. <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll see you on the other side. All right, so we're back. And I think before we dive in, I'm kind of curious of just getting everyone's thoughts, especially since two out of three of us haven't seen it. So I'm really curious what you guys thought of it. Chloe, what do you think? Uh, there were parts of it that were pretty interesting. Uh, there were parts that were not as interesting to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, some of the characters I thought were a little weak. I agree with that. What do you think? I agree as well. There were, yeah, there were definitely some moments I really enjoyed. There were some things that were reminiscent of other characters or movies. And I'll talk about that when we get to it. Things that it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... I think they did a disservice to a lot of the characters. And I will say, too, um, I was reading through the villain book, and I didn't mention this. I have a – I've mentioned it on previous episodes, but I have a book that has a lot of the villains in it, and it was written by Frank and Ollie. Um, And so they they talk about the Horn King and the whole production of it in general. And so I want to get to that a little bit once we talk about each character. Because they got the rights for this in like 1971 and we're trying to make it. This book's from like the late 60s. Yeah. I liked it a lot better this time than I did the last time. But the last time, did you see it all the way through or you fell asleep? I don't know if I fell asleep or if it was just... uh, See, I thought the uh, Cauldron Born being born i guess happened like earlier Mm. so i think maybe i just i i don't i don't know but there were a lot of parts of it that i really enjoyed a lot better i i would go so far as to say i liked it like okay it's more of like this feels like a cult disney movie i like and there's Mm -hmm. just parts of it like i don't know when i'd watch it again but i definitely think i'd watch it again okay or i'd at least watch parts of it again it also seems like you really like the book overall better it's interesting at least when we were watching it you were mentioning things that you like that they did and we'll talk about it when we go into it but i think the book handles the character of uh 
Elon Wee. Elon Wee. Elon Wee. Here's the other thing. Do you guys think this movie might have done better if anyone had a name that you could possibly wrap your mouth around? Like, they were all yeah, just like... Yeah, yeah. Or names that were easier to remember. Yeah. Because even though I wrote them all down, sometimes it was, like, hard to remember everybody's name. Yeah, they were definitely leaning into the kind of Celtic, Welsh sort of yeah. naming. Which is fine, if that's what the source is, but... It's also it, not... It does make it difficult to remember yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, and they said it was loosely based off the books, and it sounds like it's more based off of the one you read, which is which one? It sounds like it's based more off the book of three. The I will tell three. you one thing I think of. If you put a gun to my head in right now and ask me why the first book is called the book of three, I cannot remember why, like, at all. Like, yeah. there's, I'm, like, reaching back in my head and going, I don't know what the book of Were three is. Were there three is. books in the Chronicle series? No, there it, are five. Oh, there are five. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, is. all right, never mind. I have no clue. All right. Well, I guess on that note, (laughs) we'll jump right in here because I think there is a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. But uh, it opens with the famous castle, the White Castle that we talked about, the iconic like Disney opening. And then the story starts. So we jump right in. The credits are at the very end. And I think from here on out, that's kind of how it works Mm -hmm. uh, with Disney films now. And it starts with the narration about the Black Cauldron. And it's very dark and ominous in these first couple minutes. Well, it's like a king that was so frightening the gods even were afraid of him. So they threw him into boy into molten iron and made him into a cauldron. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the best so you can do. Exactly, yeah. So it's like an intense couple minutes. And it is like a lot of intense storyline from the beginning, I think. And then it cuts to a bright and cheery cottage. And we meet this old man who we find out is Dolbin. Dol- Dolbin. Dolbin. Again. Again, we're probably going to pronounce the names wrong, but... He's talking about the Horned King and Taryn, the boy, um, who reminds me of Wart a little bit uh, from Sword in the Stone. He's got a similar quality to Wart. And we find out that, you know, he's make they're making this food and it's for Henwin. And we don't know who Henwin is yet. But the boy is kind of annoyed that like the food's for Henwin and not for the boy. And we find out that they're feeding the pig and that it's a special pig. So at first we don't know why Henwin is special. And I like that the cat's name is Cat. <laughs> like he just calls him Cat. Like the cat doesn't have a name, which I just thought was funny. Um, and then this is where we find that Taryn is a bit of a daydreamer you know he wants to be a warrior he again very much like wart like he wants to be much more than kind of what he was born into literally doing some of the same stuff as wart just like sword fighting sword with, fighting a, with stick a stick and, yeah 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 and so as he's doing that we're finding out he's really the keeper or the caretaker of the pig in the book they make a big deal about him being an assistant pig keeper and how much that's a nothing job oh like, yeah like it's it feels like assistant to the regional manager at the like, office yeah it's a made-up title <laughs> like he keeps running around he's like they're like oh you must be a war like when he meets ellen he's like i'm an assistant pig keeper and she's like do pig keepers need assistance he's like some of them do what's like, what's what's worse though is there's literally only only one pig. Yeah. Exactly. Why yeah. do you need yeah. an assistant pig keeper if you so it, keep one pig? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's one pig and some geese. That and a goat. And a goat. Only, and a goat. Yes, and a goat. So in the book, they he knows that Henwin is oracular, which is what we get to in a sec, that Henwin can see the future and can has visions. Yeah. But in the book, like, he knows. Like, she's a very special pig, and they're paid. Like, he... the. Maybe the book of the three is what Dalbin writes in. Like, like he kind of like they're in charge of keeping 
care the of this very special pig. And are they in charge of keeping the history? I, I don't remember. I'll figure out why. It's it's literally not important to the plot. Okay. But the 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 book is he knows it's a pig. Uh, Henwin freaks out first. They don't know why. It turns out it's because the Horned King is coming. Mm. Who in the book. The Horned King is not like the big bad. The Horned King is kind of like second in command. And the Horned King we see in the movie is more like Arwen, who's like this big, like Sauron type figure. But the Horned King in the book is like a big muscular dude on a horse with like a a helmet that looks like his thing. Mm -hmm. And his arms are forever red because they're so soaked in the blood of his enemies. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's dark. And he's the big bag of the first book, but spoiler alert, in the book, he dies He dies at the end. But Henwin runs away, and the, the, the story is not about finding the Black Cauldron. It's about getting Henwin back, mm. and Henwin's run away because all this bad stuff's going to happen throughout the, the book. And Henwin's scared when yes. Henwin sees that. Got it. So in the movie, the pig starts freaking out, as Ryan mentioned, and Taryn doesn't know why. Dalbin seems to know why. And this is when he's like, she has powers. And, you know, you cannot repeat this. Do not tell anyone that she has powers. We have to keep it secret. And so Which this is... I want to know how they're making any money because they don't have <laughs> well, they other don't pigs have to a ton sell. Of money. He gives them a slice of bread and an apple to go on his way. So I don't think they have a ton of money. I think a slice of bread and apple is kind of a big deal back then, but like yeah. it's not enough to, to satisfy him. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, they see the images of the Horned King in the water. Let me they jump in here for just a second, Tara. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I love about uh, this part is when they're using Henwin to kind of cast this kind of divination spell or see into the future, uh, Dalvin does like this kind of rhyming... Uh, I don't know, spell or whatever. But anyway, I wrote it down. Henwin from you I do beseech, knowledge that lies beyond my reach. Troubled thoughts weigh on your heart. Pray you now these thoughts impart. I love a good rhyming couplet, and this hit a complete spot for me. I also yeah, like that I they agree. like kind of hypnotize, like Henwin's Henwin eyes do turn it. like pink and like, yeah. yeah, it seems almost like in a trance. Like Henwin doesn't do it of her own volition. She has to be hypnotized and like her snout. Like, who discovered that the first time? Yeah. And her I hope she doesn't have like a water. real long dream or she's probably going to drown in that water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for writing that down, Chloe. Yeah. I did not write it down. And hearing you say it again, it is, I really like the way it rhymes mm-hmm. a lot. And it's said again later by Taryn. It's said one more time. And so it, but it does kind of go by quickly. So I do feel like there's some stuff they do really well in this story to kind of like, that just feels like good old fantasy writing. And like, yeah. Uh, so as that's happening, they find out that the black cauldron or Taryn, I guess, and us as the viewer find Mm -hmm. out that the black cauldron is really a weapon. It unleashes its power um, and he's like, oh, and they see the pig in the vision. And so he's like, oh no, the horned king knows about Henwin. Like Henwin can lead him to the cauldron, essentially. And so, uh, this is when Dalbin wants to take, he wants Taryn to take the pig to the forbidden cottage at the edge of the forest. And this is where he gives him the apple. And he the gives him bread. as all the supplies he needs an apple. Then he takes out a whole loaf of bread. I'm like, okay, an apple and a loaf of bread. No. Then he cuts off the heel of it. <laughs> Puts it into like a knapsack, like a bindle, and gives it to him. And I'm yeah. like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Uh, 
And then it's cut. we cut to the castle and we see the shadow of the Horn King with a red background. And I will say he's very intense here. We don't see his face. It's all dark kind of in the hood. And we really don't see his face till later. And then we see it and don't see it. Like He's he got a good silhouette for sure. Yeah, mm. yeah. A really good silhouette. Um, and I think it's a really good entrance to him. And what I will say is I kind of think they did him a disservice because he's super ominous and intense in parts. And then I feel like they could have done more with him as a villain. I mean, we can talk about this later if you want, or we can talk about it now. I, I don't I, know. I think he's got a great design, but he doesn't really do yes, much. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. And in the villain book, like, they get, specifically talk about it. But if you want to talk about it for a moment while well, I find the excerpt. I, I think we'll wait till he, his actual death. But And his actual death is 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 amazing, but how he gets to that point is literally just like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> he just well, walks over and dies. And in the villain book, what they say is the horned, typical of the failings, the horned king, who should have been mysterious, was an ordin- was as ordinary as the leader of a street gang. As Roy Disney said later, their approach was too literal minded. He was just a guy. And so they go in. <laughs> he was th- just a guy. I mean, yeah, he was an undead in- guy. He, he was, was definitely a lich, right? Yeah, for like, sure. We're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, if we're gonna start pointing out what D and D things are, that's yeah. a lich. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but he, Roy said he should have been un, as unreachable and intimidating as Chernabog, and I would agree with that. I do feel like he's like kind of in control of everyone, but I feel like because we hear Creeper, his little sidekick minion, talk so much. Do you know what I mean? Well, that- he like teleports into the room. He somehow has information about Hinwin. He does all this stuff, but like when he, whenever you see him do any, it feels like if he needs to do anything on screen, it's just I walk over here and I yell at my thugs, and then I walk over here and I choke Creeper. A little yeah, bit. very intimidating. Yeah, like well, he doesn't and, do much. And what Roy also said too is like, no one should speak in his presence. The word should wither in one's throat. We should not even know if this evil creature was man, animal, or demon. Here was unlimited power on the verge of taking over the world that somehow had to be stopped, and that was the special challenge to the tiny band of characters who carried the hopes of the future on their uncertain shoulders. It seemed an impossible burden for the heroic cast as well as the inexperienced staff at the studio. There was a big so, thing in the book where... So there's another character in the book that's like, like uh, kind of like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and... Taryn like meets up with him real early and they go to see like the Horn King's camp and they're like going to get like two days ride away on a cliff from the camp. And like Tar- Taryn's like, well, that's too close. That's too close to him. Like anytime he's nearby, it's like, we're all going to like, it's so terrifying. And I think they start off kind of doing that where they don't show his face. They even like, like for a while, it feels you like see his in- hand at first, but really nothing else. And I really liked the first couple scenes of him. I was really pumped for him yeah. as a villain. And I just think they didn't carry that through throughout. Yeah. Um, and I kind of agree with some of what Roy said, like some of what they quoted him in that book of just like, he had a commanding presence like Maleficent. And then I feel like he lost it. Yeah. But there was no re- like there was no reason he lost it. They just didn't continue it consistently, didn't know what to do I guess. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so that's when we find out that he wants to use the black cauldron to bring all of these dead skeletons, these the dead soldiers. Yeah, wants to bring them all back to life. And we see them in the castle. You mm-hmm. see piles of them. Well, there's a scene where Creeper has that dude bring in like just like more dead yes, bodies. Yes, I wrote that down. I was like, is that all dead people? Because yeah. you see the one arm kind of come out under the um the blanket. We the probably tarp. should maybe say a disclaimer at the beginning of this since we're always like sensitive about kids oh, a lot of you can talk. cut this out i'm just saying it to remind well us. let's just also say it just in case you're wondering this is a pretty steady like we we're talking a little bit about secret of nim this is a pretty hard pg and i want to talk yeah. about that a little bit do you think any of this kind of darkness comes from secret of nim secret of nim was a big step in a dark direction and this was three years after i think it's enough for them to go like well i think maybe the animators want to be a little darker and a little more mature. Maybe. And you got to remember Tim Burton was on this. So yeah. he might have been pushing some of because he was a conceptual artist. So mm-hmm. I wonder if his his opinions and thoughts were being pushed in a direction as well. But um, we go back to Taryn with the pig and he's got him on a le- on a rope, but like yeah. a leash walking him like a dog and getting tangled. And Chloe, I love how you were like, I'm glad pigs are no better on a leash. Yeah. <laughs> than dogs which is great but he starts daydreaming and like his one responsibility is this pig and he immediately loses the pig it doesn't look like he gets very far they did a good job of uh really transferring my hate for Taran uh from the books with all of his like i'm just like monologues stinks yeah yeah and and he has all of these monologues if i were a warrior we blow like no dude you stink (laughs) like you're awful at this (laughs) uh and so then this is where we meet my favorite character which is gurgi yeah i love him him so much he was so good uh and basically tyran has an the apple to try to get the pig back he's calling for henwin and has the apple gurgi takes the apple from him uh gurgi is always hungry oh yeah and is that in the book you mean he's always hungry in in this too in this too he wants his crunchings and munchings yes yes and in the book like they they kind of got his character the same but he doesn't they don't describe him as cute in the book kind of like then they say this in the movie that he smells at one point but like in the book they talk more about how he's got like dirt and mud and his fur yeah gross and he's also like man size so he's yeah, bigger Gurgi than Tarn, very... so that's kind of unsettling yeah whereas in the movie he's kind of like a fluff ball a little bit like very furry like yes. creature remind me when we get to the end to just mention something else about gurgi that is oh so at the end of the first book when they accomplish everything they kind of hand out gifts to everybody and like uh in they get things that they want kind of like here's your heart tin man and here's yeah. your gurgi gets a pouch that never that is always has food. Like they're all nice. magical items. Yeah. And his is a pouch that is always full of food. That's awesome. It's a bag and of I'm like, I just imagine him. Yeah, I just imagine him going ah, and it's just like <laughs> continually dropping food. Like when Homer had to eat the donuts. In yes. Forever in, in the Simpsons. That's great. Um, and I love that before Gurgi gives the apple back, he takes a bite out of it. Like he can't resist himself. And this is where we talked about that he has like a Dobby feel to him a little bit and although infinitely cuter yes and then close said mixed with donald duck because of his voice and a little bit of Gollum as well yes and a little bit of Gollum in there too he's got a little bit of those traits yeah i think he comes off more Gollum when he's less like cute yes agree well and there's some moments even in in this where i could see that as well Mm -hmm. he has a little bit of in so much that he's kind of a pathetic creature 
But in this one, he's trying to not be a pathetic creature, whereas Gollum is just like yeah. evil. So Tara does not like Gollum. I don't. Like I think one of the major Gollum reasons really you can't out. get into Lord of the Rings. I mean, is I like, like the Lord of the Rings stories, but I'm not one to like continue. Like you like just watching the movies every so often, and I'm kind of. I've watched them, I've seen them, I've enjoyed them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I did write down a couple things Gurgi says every so often. And the one he says here is clever, sharp eye, Gurgi. Like he just has like fun ways to describe himself or what he's doing and talking about. So I like the way they wrote him. Uh, But then we have, they're not dragons. Are they griffins? They're griffins. Griffaints or something. Yeah, but they got, look yeah. like dragons, and they start chasing. Well, hen. technically, technically, they look like oh. wyverns, but that's okay. wyverns because oh, I because apologize. Griffins, or excuse me, uh, dragons are by are a quadrupedal with wings on their backs, whereas these their uh, actual arms are uh, the wings, and therefore they are more wyverns than. Um, I see. If you knew, I wish you would uh, listen to me. I've told you this many times. About the <laughs> now, biology. is this a specific character in the D and D universe that you're talking about when you say this name of not a dragon? It's a whatever you a just wyvern? said it was. Yeah, it a might wyvern? be. It might be mythology and not just D and D. But it's know. in the D&D world of D and D as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There, if you want to run into a wyvern more than you want to run into a dragon, because there's probably lower level. Yeah, we just had a uh, month or two ago. We had a big Byron fight with a uh, yes. group. So. I mean, if you need okay. me to, I can get the monster manual. It's right over there. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I probably have a mini over here so... on the bookshelf. <laughs> I more so was asking, and also for the listeners, like if you do mention stuff, and I'll try to ask the questions because I don't know anything, but there will probably be listeners who don't know that lore, and so it's kind of interesting to connect it. Bless you for being so, like, accepting of this I know I am honestly I am interested in like the lore part even though I'm not super interested in playing and I think it's a fun way to connect it to this movie this may be something I used so before I used to play when I was a kid and my mom would go to bookstores I would go and get the monster manual and just look through it did you ever do that I did not or did you not what was that was that I was, to being caught with a nudie book? In no, your at that point, like, honestly, I was more into magic? sci-fi than I was into fantasy. So I would. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading the Star Star Trek novel. Mm. I gave. Uh, I found they had something. I swear they made this just for kids like me. Um, that was just like a monster manual with no stats. Like it wasn't D and D, but it was clearly just like the book of monsters, and then just like info about them yeah. and stuff. And I got that for Parker one year. He was like, "This is great." Yeah. Like, yep. nice. I feel like you still do that. You just got a book on, wasn't it, was it Nord's mythology and it was all different creatures and monsters? Might have not been Nord's. I don't think it was all different on different different monsters, but I definitely got a book on Norse mythology. Like, I like, I mean, look, you you know who you married. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm good with it. It's interesting to me, just not as interesting as it is to you, I will say. Uh, But as these, what are they called again? Griffants is what I think they are in there. Okay. Uh, as they're chasing Hen, they capture Hen, and it's kind of a really intense scene mm-hmm. when they capture the pig. And I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but when they like when Taran tries to grab onto them, he has like blood coming from his mouth. It's just yeah, in one shot, up. and then in the next shot, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it is it he is kind of beat up in that in that one scene, um, and then. He he winds up giving Gurgi the apple and leaves him. Basically, he sees that they go to the castle, kind of in the distance. Gurgi basically tells him, "No, no, you shouldn't go there. Yeah. Like, it's not a good idea." Gurgi's a coward. Like, that's the big thing. His, Is like, he always argument. runs away when? Yeah. yeah. He's also a little guy. Like, yeah. In the, in the book, it's a little more like you're a coward because he's a full grown man. <laughs> like, yeah. 
But yeah, so and then that's when Taryn's just like, here, take the apple. Like, I've got to go get Hen. You know, I'm going to go and do this. And then sneaks into the ricketyest castle of all time as like a brick dissolves and then he climbs through the wall. Yeah, I heard that he climbs through a hole. I don't even know that the brick dissolved. Did it dissolve? I thought like there was like leaves or yeah. marsh or something. Oh, there was like a branch or something in the way I think you pulled to the side. Yeah. I thought the whole brick. Just disintegrated. Like, yeah, I was like. Wow, this place. And then I wrote here, sweet theremin, because Ryan loves the theremin, and it's throughout, but this is where we first hear it, I if, think. If here. you guys have ever heard, there's a lot of it in like the Ghostbusters soundtrack, but it's yeah. a theremin is like a, a, an instrument that's the... Uh, 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 we may have heard a theremin before, and I'm just, I don't know why I'm explaining it now, but it's like the, the electromagnetic field, and you move your hands to distort it, but it's like... It's like you a, should it, post a, a Facebook video just while we're... Like, absolutely when this episode comes out or just anytime i want to because i love a theremin i bet you could find people playing theremin disney songs I feel yeah like there's that's actually a uh like it, i don't know if it's an instructional video but it's like an explanation as to like how it works um so he sneaks past the guard and we see kind of this vicious dog that comes back a little bit later um but he sneaks past both of them and there's this whole group eating I, I don't know what you call them. They're not really minions. They're th- they're minions. They they're are thugs, minions. But they just they look like dude barbarians. They're, yeah, they're humans. They're not like creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a lady dancing. A gypsy in a thong. Like yeah. doesn't her skirt go up? Yeah, her like... skirt goes up, and it's a little like inappropriate for a moment. And she's very top heavy. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of a uh, lot she's of bosom. In well this endowed. Movie. Yeah. So um, a little bit of gyrating. Yes, yeah. yeah, and they're all making fun of Creeper. So the, I like Creeper a lot, too. I like Creeper. I like Gurgi. Uh Creeper looks, he's like the main minion for the Horn King, and he is very reminiscent of the goons from Maleficent. He's yeah. got a lot of similar qualities that they have. He's a brighter green. They're he's, like an olive He's clearly a goblin. Like, yeah. He's gotta be, like, that's got to be it. Yeah, and so... Um, they all stop all of a sudden. So they're eating, they're carrying on, the woman's dancing, and they all stop when they see a sound. And then there's I'm kind sorry? Of... Oh, when they hear a sound. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Hey, when they hear a sound hear and that? see... Wait, wait, listen. You smell something yes. from Ghostbusters? <laughs> they hear a sound and see magic. So there there's where C comes from. Because <laughs> it is, it's like, it's almost like a blue light. I kind of forget how it was animated here, but they do something here and then the Horn King appears. This feels like the start of the CGI special effects. Yeah, and so he appears here. Um, and as far as I can remember, that's the last non-cauldron magic he does. Mm. Like he's got that yeah. one trick to just like appear. Just show up. Uh, and at first... Creeper says, we're celebrating our success. And then he very quickly corrects himself. Your success, your success. Uh, and brings in the prisoner and it's Henwin. And at this point, we still haven't seen his face. I wrote in my notes. We see it a few, a few minutes later in this yeah. scene. But at this point, we haven't seen his face yet. Um, and Creepers, I wrote here, Creepers doing all the talking. I kind of wish it was the other way around. I kind of wish, I think it would have given the Horn King a little more authority if he was kind of addressing his minions versus like creeper just like talking he almost creeper almost sounded like he was talking for the horn king a little Mm. bit um but anyway uh we see the hot coals they're like trying to force the pig to put its head in the water and it won't do it and he's and then creeper's got hot coals to try to force the pig and that's when taryn screams so taryn could have like snuck around a little bit longer but he was 
All that means is he rolled very badly on his stealth check. Is that what it means? So uh, Taryn screams, and that's when he's found out. So then, of course, everybody draws their attention to him. So real quick, before we go any further, uh, Chloe, you said you'd written down what what uh, classes you thought everyone was. What 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 D and D class do we think t- Taryn was? Now, Taryn. a question for a non D and D person: like, what defines like what is a class? Uh, so it's like wizard is a class, fighter is a class, ranger. It's, so it's like, more like your, your job. Character? Oh, your yeah. job. Okay. It's 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 all the abilities you have. It's kind of like okay. how how you, as you progress, like uh, 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 a thief may be more dexterous and and get put more points into stealth, whereas a fighter is fighting and a so that sort of thing. I'm dexterous comparing is, this to Skyrim. So it's like when yes, you do the exactly. different abilities in Skyrim. Now Skyrim doesn't lead you down a down a path whereas yeah. D you declare something and there's only certain things you can do because of that got it unless you're travis our other friend who's <laughs> hopefully being here for the treasure island episode treasure planet episode who does like four multi-classes and it's <laughs> oh, um but yeah it's a similar thing where it's like if you're like if i'm training to be a thief in riften right well it's, it's the thieves guild. so remember in skyrim where you find those three stones and one's like magic and one's like oh a yeah and you have to pick so one it, it's like if you picked one and then you could only do that okay got it thank so, you so what class do we think Tarin is so uh he's definitely a fighter Okay, which is kind of run of the mill. Yeah, like if you wanted to play, I'd suggest a fighter. <laughs> They're pretty. Okay, yeah. so basic. You, yeah. you do one thing, you hit things with your sword. Uh, based on the other characters that we've met so far, uh, Prince. Uh, we haven't met Princess yet. Uh, Gurgi, I would say Gurgi is a rogue. That's what I was gonna say because he seems like he sneaks around a little yeah. better. Uh, the Horn and he steals King... things. He keeps pickpocketing people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Horn King is definitely a lich. Definitely a wizard. Yes. Uh, Archmage. Uh, Creeper is a goblin. Uh, and I would say all the henchmen that we met are probably would be the bandit uh, stat block. Or, we were gonna... or thug. Thug's another Thug weapon. would be a little bit tougher, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're mm-hmm. like, we already have a very narrow fan base and like, we are speaking to like... <laughs> no, I find it interesting. I No, I actually find it interesting and I do think... Um, it's kind of a neat tie-in. I think that you well, can see those characteristics in each one of these characters. This is around in the the, Disney film. This is around the time that Dungeons and Dragons was like created oh, and all okay. that. Yeah, so I Dungeons and Dragons, I think, started in '78. Yeah. Okay. So, so this and is a lot of right it comes out time. of. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? Chloe? So this is right around the same. You know, a few years after. Yeah, and well, this is also when it's reaching like a, like a lot of height of not even this, but just also fantasy is a big deal. You've got all these movies Seven like four. Dragon Slayer and Conan mm. and things like that that are coming out. Well, and I, I think this was an attempt to hit that market in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, well, and it makes me think of um, Stranger Things. The kids, it's set in the yeah, 80s yeah, yeah, and the yeah. kids are, you know, all the friends are playing yes. D&D. So it's, it makes sense that it was by this point, enough people had heard of it and had been starting to play it. And then there's also the part, the satanic panic, which I was wondering how much of that was what you experienced, Chloe, or how much of that was just like, yeah, don't play that. Yeah, I'm sure that would have factored in if if it had actually showed up at our high school. Do you know about the satanic panic? Not really. I mean, I know I've heard, like, the phrase. But... So it's, it's these kids, like, what happened? Is it basically, like, the, the idea was some kids had... Yeah, there was murder. some troubled kids that had, you know, issues, whether it was mental health issues or family issues or whatever, that I mean, a couple of them, you know, 
took their own life. And the one thing that people pointed to that they may have had in common was they played Dungeons and Dragons. Got it. And that kind of turned into a big, like, it's devil worship, it's this. Right. There's a There's a movie, Tom, one of Tom Hanks's first roles is in a movie called Mazes and Monsters, in which they in which they're playing it and he's the one who like goes insane and, and like only sees oh, everything wow. as mazes and monsters. Like it's, it's so ridiculous. It's not worth watching. It's very long and very boring. If you could find clips from it, they're funny to watch, but otherwise, yeah. oof. well, um, we'll dive back in. And then as we meet a couple more characters, yeah. we yeah, can yeah. talk about, uh, because I am actually interested in like what you guys classify them as. Um, and I'm not just like saying that to say that. I'm sure that <laughs> I, we, again, you're wonderful. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so after Taryn screams, he's found out uh, because he doesn't want them to hurt the pig. We kind of slightly see the Horn King's face here. It's still a little bit silhouetted. It's not super detailed. And for the most part, it's never super detailed. There's one or two moments where mm-hmm. we get an up close uh, sight of it. But um He's asking for the black cauldron. He wants Taryn to have the pig show him. And he goes, fine, then I have no use for the pig. Which is like a cool thing he does where he's like, all right, fine, kill it. Yeah, and they're going to behead the pig, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then that's when Taryn's like, no, 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 like, I'll do it. And that's when he repeats the rhyme or the spell to have the pig be able to show the future. And um, at that point we see the red glaring eyes. That's one of the moments we see the Horn King. It's like kind of a close up. It's really an intense moment as the pig's face snout is in the water. Um, the Horn King, I don't know if he gets really excited, but he gets really intense, which startles Taryn when yeah. his eyes glow red. And then Taryn runs away with Hen. And well, it splashes the water in his face and it burns, right. which yeah, it felt burns like it him. would be a yeah. like Chekhov's gun situation of, oh, that's how they kill him that's later. That's how they get him. Yeah, which, nope. spoiler, doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and so, basically, he runs away with Hen and they're up at the very top of the castle and he looks down and he sees the moat and he's like, that's our way out. And he's pushing Hen up onto the stones and... My thought was that would be if we had to get Lady up there. Like if it was like we had to get Lady up, like the way he's pushing the butt of the the pig, it would be how it would work if we had to push Lady. It seemed a very similar yes, movement. About a fifty-five pound pit bull. Like yeah, Ooh. yeah. Like no, I don't want to go up there. And just like pushes Hen, it's very high up. And just like Hen, remember to swim or make sure you swim. Something about swimming. Hope so this water's deep pig. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we just watch the pig go into the water. And then obviously Taryn was going to follow, but they capture him instead. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the henchmen capture him and they put him in the dungeon. And then this is when we meet Aloe. Elonwi. 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 I have a lot to say about her. Because you heard her when she came on screen. I was like, yes. Like, yeah. I love this character in the book. First of all, so they don't get captured by the Horn King here. In the book, it's it's that Aragorn character and Terran, and they get captured by like an, like an evil sorceress who works for the main bad guy. Mm. But then she's revealing to the Aragorn character, like you and I could rule this place. Yeah. And she throws Terran in a completely different thing. And then like, there's this whole thing. You remember? So in the, in the movie, Elon, we like just pops out of the ground is like, Oh, hello. And they never really discuss what was going on. Yeah. They just, we just know that she's been captured for magic. She has a bauble, but it's like a glowing light. It's like the mage spell again to go back to Skyrim. Hey, look at you go. Um, is it a, is that the right name of the spell? I think so. Mage Mage light. light. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but that's what it reminded me of. But she just says she's been held prisoner because of her magic, because the Horn King thought but her magic could tell him where the Black Cauldron they, is. But yeah, she kind of disappears. It's just her bobble. She doesn't say her magic. She says the, specifically that bobble, mm, which yeah. disappears for most of the movie. Yeah, once they're out of the castle. In the book, it's she's kind of like Theon Greyjoy and that she's a warden, like, captive to this sorceress who's her aunt. And her aunt has been teaching her magics in hope that she'll be mm. evil. And she's like, well, I'm stuck here. I might as learn well learn this magic. Yeah. And she, like, has spent all this time learning. Like, she lives there, so that's why she finds all the secret entrances and stuff. So, like, she just, like, a, a brick moves and these eyes are there. And she's like, hello. And he's like, ah! Like, it scares him in the book. Like, he's... That's what's so cool about it. She's just so nonchalant. She's like, do you want to escape? And he's like, yeah. She's like, all right, I should probably escape too. Hold on. And like, cool. And then like goes around and does some stuff and comes like, all right, let's get out of here. (laughs) Like, she's... Has a lot of agency and knows how to get him out of there. But she's so flighty and just like... She almost seems like a Doctor Who character in that Mm. like, she's a hero, but like, she's just so like, blase about it. Like, okay, cool. Let's do this now. Yeah. And she has a few moments in the movie, but not yes. nearly as much as it sounds like she has Well, they in the give book. her a lot of the stuff she does. She, like, we'll, we'll get to that a sec. Okay. A lot of stuff she does, they give to Taryn. Got it. Um, so, they then start looking around. Like, after mm-hmm. she kind of, like, gets him out of the chains or kind of how he was tied up. They start looking around and they stumble upon a burial chamber. And this is where Taryn finds the sword. And spoiler, I thought the sword was going to be how they destroyed the cauldron because the sword had all this magic to it. And I was like, oh. And then we find out later he winds up losing the sword and we'll talk about that. But that's like where my brain was going was like, oh, they're going to use the sword to like destroy the cauldron mm-hmm. um, at some point. But then they, this is where we see Creeper guiding other henchmen with a, a cart, a wooden cart. And it's this giant like tarp pile of and something you see just an arm like a an arm of a person that looks like they are no longer alive it like just pops out from under it so that was like kind of a dark moment yeah. that like he continues to gather all of these dead bodies for his army of the dead when he finally gets the black cauldron is, yes. i guess what's happening there um and they see that they're tying up a new prisoner and this is the bard and the minstrel um and i'll we, give you I wrote twenty dollars if you can. Say I wrote it down was. later. Fla- I wrote it down it's later, but I don't. Flim have it. Flam. We're gonna call him Flim Flam. I have it later. Yeah, yeah and I'll say like it, but it's something like. <laughs> or was that, that it? Was that Fluter Flam? Yeah. Fluter Fleeter. Fluter Flam. Yeah. Pflugerville. Yeah. Both, both of those have two double F's at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. F L. Um. This is so Welsh. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just I do refer to him a lot as the Bard or the Minstrel, but um. Right away, we see the string snapping, which you mentioned at the beginning, like when he's not being truthful, a string on his harp kind of snaps. And this bit continues throughout the whole film. And it's and it is never a very, not funny. It's a very comedic <laughs> bit that I think is needed. I do think humor is needed in this film. I think, uh, Grogi? Gurgi. Gurgi. I knew all of a sudden I lost it. Uh, Gurgi. You're thinking I, Grogu. Yes, I am. <laughs> Gurgi provides, I think much needed humor in moments and as does creeper every so often. And then the bard does as well. I like that. They never explain. They never explicitly say this only twangs when he, lies. and then it's always restrung. So I guess he's well, restringing in, it. in the book. They talk about, he spends a whenever he's not lying. He's like, he's, he sat there restringing his, like yeah, he's yeah. trying to fix it. 
And they never explain, like, why. I don't remember. Maybe they do in the book, but he's just like, yes, it does this. And it's like, why don't you get a regular one? Yeah. And so as he's tied up and he says, oh, I'll sing a song or whatever. And he looks over and he sees. This part really made me laugh. Another bard that is a skeleton who's been tied up there. And then that's when he shouts. He, like, screams that he needs to get out of there. Uh, and then they free him. So Alan, Ellen Wee and Taryn free the bard and uh then a a chase scene begins i think here next. real quick chloe obviously flim flam is a uh bard like he says i'm a bard so that makes sense but what is what do you think princess elonwi is (sighs) this one's rough because she doesn't really do much severely underdeveloped as a character um in the book i'd say she's uh Probably multi-classing wizard and maybe ranger or fighter. So here's what I've here's what I've landed on. I think she is probably a noble. This is from yes. a three point five edition that was. <laughs> I had to dig deep for this one. Um, so I think she's a noble with maybe the magic initiate feat, which lets her cast light, mm. which is how she gets the little bobble. There you go. Or she's just got one level of artificer. Maybe that's it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Artificers can create magical uh, items. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys. You're welcome. Um, I like that we had to do a deep dive. In one way, I don't like that we had to do a deep dive because I wish she had more agency, right? Yeah. I'm always that's looking the... for female characters with agency. Um, and I like that she has it in the book. So, listeners, I encourage you, if this story, if you connect with this story or you've watched this movie, it sounds like maybe go read the book. So in the book, she's the one who gets the sword and carries it. Like, Interesting. I forget what Taryn gets. Like, they, they arm up. And then yeah. she gets the sword, and it doesn't, like, glow or anything. I don't even know if she really uses it much, because I think they just get it. And then, like, the rest of the book is them trying to not get into big fights. Mm. They're trying to stay ahead of the Horn King's army. But near the end... So the Horn King's army is created, I think you mentioned that at one point, it's created earlier on in the book than it is They in just the exist. The, he it. has the Black Cauldron. Oh, like, so he already has but it. But he dies at the end, so I think the Big Bad is trying to then get the Black Cauldron and the Black Cauldron. I don't know. Mm, okay. But there, he's his army is of Cauldron born. So it. they're trying to go after him. And the big thing there is they don't talk about them being skeletons, but it's like they don't get tired. So like they have to keep moving all the time because they don't sleep. Mm-hmm. So they... Uh, Spoiler to the end of the book, if you don't want to know how the book ends, skip ahead. Uh, I only has that sword. They don't know it's a big deal. They don't. They just think it's a sword. They get to the end and like Taryn gets it and he goes to attack the Horn King. And when he does, it shoots lightning through him and hurts him. Mm. And then like that Aragorn guy shows up and actually kills the Horn King somehow. Um, but the whole thing was, it was a magic sword, and the reason Island Wee could do it is because she's of noble blood, and Taryn couldn't use it because he's not. But it was like, that's a big, brave thing you did, and it almost, that was his brave moment, and the, the thing was drawing it. But, like, she has it the whole time. Like, it, you know, it's not nearly this lightsabery thing as we find out it is Yeah, here. and what I write here is a whole chase ensues, and Taryn and Ellen Wee get separated, and this is when he uses the sword and we find out it's magical. So it glows every time he uses it, and he's able to pretty much do anything with it. Like, it it does pretty much anything he wants it to do oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. he aims it at something. 
Um, and then they get reunited with Alan Wee. And so they're being chased. The bard's being chased by a dog. So they all kind of get, they all separate and then they all get reunited again. And he hits a chain with the sword, which lowers the drawbridge. And that's how they all escape mm-hmm. the castle um, that way. And the dog bites like fabric of uh, the bard's. Flim flams. Yeah, flim flams. Flim flam Pflugerville. The back of his pants. Uh, and so he has <laughs> that like in his mouth and is a shot and then they run away. And then Creeper has to go tell the king what happened. And I wrote here, this felt to me like Maleficent with the minions when she sends them out to find Aurora. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they were like, we've searched all the cradles. And it's like she's 16 at this point. Yeah. And they've only been searching for babies. And Maleficent has like that wild laughter. Fools. Yes. And then she gets really intense. That doesn't happen here with the Horn King. But the feeling of a minion having to be like, I've got to tell you something. Yeah. And then, like, her goons didn't know it was bad. They were just matter-of-factly like, this is what we've been searching for. Creeper kind of knows that he's going to get He knows he's a here. minion. Creeper yeah. knows exactly what movie he knows is. This, is this the point where uh, Creeper actually starts choking himself? Yes. Yes, he goes, yes. let me do that for you. <laughs> yeah. He goes, allow me. Yeah, oh, yeah. allow me. And he chokes himself. Um, <laughs> and basically the Horn King says, well, they'll lead us back. Like, make sure the the griffins follow the boy, and yeah. that'll lead us to the cauldron. So mm-hmm. we're fine. Like, we're on track. Uh, and Fluterflam is how I wrote it, but Flimflam, Pflugerville. Uh, the bard and Alan Wee is mending pants. Like, we cut to them kind of like they're all by kind of this brook, right? They're kind of by water, and they've yeah. gotten away. Yes, because and they have all... to have a moment where we understand just how misogynistic uh, the main character is. Of course, is, because he then our... says... They get into a fight because basically Taryn won't be quiet about like all of the brave heroic things he did. And Ellen Wee's like, well, it was kind of the sword. And like, as soon as he gets his ego bruised. And as soon as she says like, well, the sword did a lot of it. He goes, what does a girl know about swords anyway? And so. What you're seeing is early Twitter at work. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then she says, you'd still be in the dungeon without me. She's a hundred percent right. Like, she freed him. Well, he does this in the book, and she, like, she's, he, he, like, she, even more in the book is the reason he, like, in the book, they don't find Flim Flam. What happens is, is she comes out, she's like, he's like, I, we need to save this Aragorn guy. And she goes, fine, I'll do it. And she goes in, and she brings someone out, and she thinks, she goes, this is your friend, right? <laughs> and he's and like, it's not. No, it's the Flim Flam guy. And then the castle dissolves. So he thinks the Aragorn guy is dead. And then mm. he shows up at the end. Got but it. um, she's like, I say, she, he's like, I can't believe you didn't save him. She's like, I didn't know who it was. This is the only other person I know that was in there. Like, That's she's funny. like, this is ridiculous. Um. But here in the movie, he also calls her a silly girl. And that's where I pointed out again, we see this in Fox and the Hound. But again, when a male character insults a female, it's like an ugly insult. But the female never returns the ugly insult. So I just, yeah. And it's always started by the... A lot of ego being bruised. Ego being bruised. The terrible, terrible, you know... Action of that, yeah, and, and so I, I noticed too. Whenever they kind of do reconcile that argument, she's the first one to basically apologize. Yes, she kind of starts that conversation. Yeah. They and both she make also up cries, like yeah. yeah, she does not cry in the book. She goes, "Huh," and like walks away. She's like, "Yeah, I'm done with this." But yeah, she kind of runs away from where they're at. He goes and finds her, and then yeah, she's kind of the first one to start the apology when they make up. 
Uh, and then they hear the bard shouting again because Gurgi has stumbled upon the bard. And I love this here because it's clear that Gurgi was trying to take the bard's hat. And when they all get to the bard, he's on the ground. And Gurgi says, old man fell down. I'm trying to help him up. And it's like, come on, get up, get up. And like that, I liked Gurgi for moment one, but that really sealed the deal for me. It was yes. a really funny moment. And then they take his hat. He's like, too big anyway. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't yeah. care. It's great. Uh, and then he goes, I saw the piggy's tracks. And they, they say, how do we know you're not lying? He's like, I'm not lying this time. Uh, and then he says, the pretty lady's going to come with us. Like he's just, I just like how they wrote his language yes. a lot. Um, and so this is the pig. They all fall into the, not, no, the pig's not with them yet. Sorry. They all fall into the water, which turns into this whirlpool. And so they're all in this whirlpool. And then all of a sudden we see these four glowing fairies, mm-hmm. which seem like they're children. Yes. Did you say, yeah, those first four. I think they're voiced by children. At least it sounds mm-hmm. like it. And they wind up meeting the king of the fair folk. Uh, and the whirlpool, we realize, is supposed to keep people out, but it's not working quite right. So it brought them down, just like the pig. And that's how they find out that yeah. Ken is also down there. It's interesting because in the book, like, they're not little sprite-like things. In the book, the Dory character that goes with them is, like, full-on a dwarf. Mm. So he just, like, hey, and, like... It's the and, and the other thing is he keeps turning invisible. In the book, the whole thing is he can't turn invisible for some reason. Like, it's... Mm. It's some shame he has, and then by the end they give him the ability to do. That's his reward instead of the the pouch full of food, which I would have been like, I'll take a pouch full of food. That would have just <laughs> just hand those out to everybody. Yeah. I wrote here that this feels very magical because they're kind of all glowing and they're the also, underground they're, feels very magical. Their coloring is all much brighter than everything yeah. else. And now, would these be classified as something? Sprites, fairies. Sprites. Yeah. Okay. And so we kind of find out their personalities here. There's a curmudgeon kind of older one that's fixing something when they arrive. And he's Dory. the one. Yeah, he's the one who kind of guides them to where the Black Cauldron is. And then there's the um, king of the fair folk who looks a little bit like Santa Claus because he's in a red yes. outfit with a white beard. He's also voiced by the same actor who did Mr. Ages in The Secret of Nim. Oh, fun. So they find out that the cauldron is safely buried. buried, buried. Buried. Why do I have so much trouble with that? That's how the Canadian the Canadians say. I don't yeah. know how to say the Canadians. That's uh, the Canadians. But they basically they want to destroy the cauldron before the Horn King gets it, and they float away and they leave him. So basically, it's very quick. They're it like, is very yep. quick. But they find out. Yeah, we'll take you, and the fairies float them up from where they were to take them, and Hen stays, and they say we'll get Hen safely home. Yes, That's essentially what happens. So then, um, welcome to Morva. So we get to Morva, and there's a cottage with a symbol on it. And what did you guys call it? Well, it felt like a rune or a sigil. And if I was a dungeon master and I wanted to really imply to the the, the characters, there is a trap on this door. That's exactly. Yeah. And then Taran just shoulders it open, and I'm like, ah, like yeah, <laughs> waiting yeah, for something to go off. Completely oblivious. He's like, oh, this is where we need to go, yep. and just goes through the door. And then nothing door. happens. And they see all of these eyes, and at first you don't know what they are, and we find out that they're all frogs. And we find out that they were all people who were turned to frogs by these three witches. And they go into this room, and it's all cauldrons. Like, there's a ton of different size cauldrons in this room. Which is piled. Yeah, and these three witches appear, um, and they're all upset because they realize someone has stolen their frogs. Mm -hmm. So they're not too happy about it. Uh, and they say they're going to turn them into frogs and eat them. And then there's this whole bit. There's one witch who is very voluptuous, similar to the dancer. 
so uh, in the scene earlier. Yes. And then there's like a witch who's kind of in charge of them, which gives a little bit of a Hocus Pocus Winnie vibe. I and thought. then there's the other witch who's just, it's hungry, uh, Randy, and like thrifty. Also there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'm here too. Yeah. And so we meet them and the one who is more voluptuous is like smitten with the bard. So mm-hmm. they turn the bard into the frog and then she keeps turning him back into the bard because she wants to keep him. And then when he's turned into the frog and she can't find the frog, it's because he's in her cleavage, which just kind of And seems, he's in there for a long it time. It's just a little inappropriate. And it's zoomed in on it. Yeah, like, like it's, it's uh, yes. It, it's for longer than it should have been, and I don't know that it should have been in there at all. Yeah. Uh, so they tell the witches what they're looking for, and the main witch goes, can I interest you in something else? Perhaps a bucket. Perhaps <laughs> a crock. I don't know that she says crock pot, but she says something like, a crock pot. Like, yeah. Like she offers up all these other things and then the sword splits them all and destroys all of the other offerings. And then the witch immediately is like, I have to have that sword. Like I need that sword. Um, and she tells her other, her sisters, her other witches, she's like, we'll trade the cauldron for the sword, but they can't do anything with the cauldron. So then we'll get the cauldron back too. So eventually we'll have both back. So it won't mm-hmm. matter. Um, so they do the trade, they do the barter, the witches make this big deal that they bargain and they barter, you know, we don't just give something for nothing. Um, and they take it and they disappear. And then the wind picks up and like picks up the whole house and like kind of destroys everything that they're in. And then I have a note here that you wanted to talk about the sword in the book. I've said everything. Have you mentioned I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all so the stuff about how the all sword, right. yeah, it was Ellen Wee and blah, blah, Got blah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So um, the ground opens up and then the cauldron appears. So it appears and the witches are howling here. They're like laughing and howling. They're up in the clouds like Mufasa. Yeah. (laughs) And they say that, you know, they're laughing because they're like the black cauldron can never be destroyed. Only the evil powers can stop. So, Which is the same thing. It's not like they're like, I don't want anyone to have this. Like, yeah. Like, either way, we want the evil to stop at the end of the day. That is the most important part about the cauldron. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah. it's like you can't blow up the Death Star, but you can render the laser inert. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's okay. what we want to <laughs> do. <Yeah. laughs> and so uh, they say you can climb in to stop it, but you won't be able to climb out. And at first when they say you can climb in, Gurgi's like, oh, I'll climb in, like, no problem. And yeah. then when they say, well, you'll never get back out, then Gurgi's like, no way, man. Yeah, Gurgi wants to be helpful, but he's just not brave is the yeah. problem. Um, and I think that that moment's important for what happens later yeah. on. Uh, but then the witches disappear again, and the fairy winds up leaving them here, too. Because he just didn't really have anything to do in the rest of the script. Yeah, he <laughs> just leaves. Uh, and then this is where Taryn is pretty down and out. He's like, without my sword, I'm nothing. And then Alan Wee kind of tells him, no, I believe in you. Like, we can do Has this. To boost the male ego mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. things done. Jeez Louise. Uh, and then all the goons and the henchmen have found them because they've been following them. And Gurgi hides away. So Gurgi runs. Gurgi doesn't get captured. But the three of them get captured. And they get taken back to the castle. And that's where we see them next. They're all tied up and chained up in the castle. And uh, the Horn King puts one of the skeletons into the Black Cauldron. And calls them the Cauldron Born. And I think he's referred to them as Cauldron Born once or twice in the film. Mm -hmm. But this is when they become Cauldron Born. And they're the army of the dead. And when this happens, the magic of the cauldron with that glowing lava skull 
That's another really intense scene that I think could be very scary. Even just the skeleton shuffling along is real intense. Yeah. Um, And the green smoke. I really liked the green, you know, the bubbling of the cauldron and how it travels throughout the castle and it goes beyond the castle. I liked that effect Mm -hmm. that they did for that. Um, And then we see Gurgi is sneaking into the castle at this point. Um, And we find out that these are all the dead of centuries past and he wants um, to them to destroy anything and everything in their path. So he kind of sends them on their way to go destroy yeah, everything. Yeah, his, his motives are kind of fuzzy. He's it's just like, just like just what's he going to do with all the undead yeah. now that he's got them? Well, yeah, he's like, just go destroy everything. Like, oh, like you don't have like, there's not like a specific no, kingdom no you want to get. Like, it's just yeah. everything. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So Gurgi winds up untying them and. Taryn says that, you know, somebody's got to go into the Black Cauldron. It's going to be me. I'm going to go in. And then Gurgi says, no, no, I'll go in. And Taryn's trying to tell him no. And then Gurgi says here, Taryn has many friends and Gurgi has none. And it's so sad. And then he just jumps in. And spoiler, we see Gurgi again. But I really thought we didn't. I really (laughs) thought that was the end of Gurgi. The way it was written, I was like, oh, we just might not see Gurgi again. Okay. So Taryn has many friends. Who who are his many friends? I guess Ellen Wee and and yeah, I guess are they not Gurgi's friends too at that point? I, I mean, Gurgi clearly has self esteem issues. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Gurgi just uh, from his point of view, he just sees it as he's got you know. I guess he also had the pig well, because at that, one point. That's oh. the thing. I think it would have been a more interesting scene if like they like it came down to Gurgi making the decision to jump in or or all was lost instead of Gurgi being like you don't do it I'll do it you know what I'm saying yeah. like because then that shows more of a bravery for Gurgi whereas this scene felt more like Gurgi and jump in right it didn't seem brave it seemed mm-hmm. like almost almost nihilistic yeah thank you yes yeah um and so when that happens all of the dead army start dying and crumbling and they're not sure what's happening and Taryn is trying to get to the cauldron and so we see that the cauldron is also creating like this wind and this very strong where it's like very difficult to get to the cauldron you can't just like walk up to it at this point because of everything that's happening yes. um and like the, when the uh <laughs> ark of the covenant after it does its bit like sucks everything yes into it. yeah uh, so the Horn King is very upset and wants to throw in Creeper into the cauldron. Yeah. And Creeper... Well, he seems to imply that if you put another life into that, it'll it'll work again. It'll, like, undo what was just done. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's going to do that until Creeper says, it wasn't my fault, it was Taryn's fault. Like, totally points the blame at Taryn, which I guess it was. Yeah. Because Gurgi went in. So then the Horn King is focused on Taryn and wanting to throw Taryn into the Black Cauldron. But then he just kind of like shuffles by him as he gets sucked in. He's like, oh no. Like, yeah. it's like, well, why did that suck and him the, more than it did Taryn? Well, like, Taryn was holding on to, at one point he's holding on to that like iron ring that's on the castle. So he's I holding guess. on to that, I guess. But yeah, he's being dragged by the cauldron. It almost seems like the cauldron wants the Horned King at this yeah. point now because it's like really focused on sucking him in. And it does like a close-up of the face on the cauldron. He's like, no, no. Yeah, the king that the yeah, cauldron yeah, yeah. was turned into. Or, yes. King That's was turned like into the baked cauldron. into the cauldron. Yeah. Uh, and this death scene is really intense. Like, Oh, it, it like strips clothes, him of his skin? Yeah, his clothes get ripped away, and then his skin, and he's broken all apart, and then lava goes up through his bones. Like, it is a very intense yeah. death sequence. It's 
possibly my favorite death. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a really... But it's like a almost PG-13 death. Yeah. Uh, and then the cauldron starts sinking into the ground. And so at this point, they're trying to get out. So they... Oh, this castle starts crumbling around them. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they're trying to get out. Which before... may be magical or may just be the fault, the terrible craftsmanship of, of the that castle. castle. That's true. It did look very old. Yeah. Yeah, it did look pretty run down. Uh, so they're trying to get out and they're trying, they get on this boat to, to take the moat out. So they're like kind of down below and the castle explodes and there's flames and lava everywhere. Well, now, now hold on. Cause there's like a gate that's like closed Oh yes. and they go, the gates closed. And literally there's like three seconds where like Flim Flam and Ellen, we look at each other like a gate. Like they just look like <laughs> they don't know what to do. And Taryn's like, well, I'll get out and I'll open the gate. It's, it's like, like any one of you could have tried. Yeah. To like gate. it's yeah. not like it's, it's not a magical barrier. People know. How, oh, you've solved my gate puzzle. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that happens and the castle basically falls into the water and then we see creeper who is like, Oh no, master's gone or whatever. I forget what he calls the horn king. Sire. Sire. Uh, and then he's like, Sire's gone. And is like wildly (laughs) deliriously happy that like he can be free. And we see this cut scene of him on one of those, um, Griffans. And he's got like horns and he's just laughing and so excited that he's like fleeing. He's like holding horns. He's putting them yes. on his head like, ah, I'm yeah. the horn king. <laughs> so funny. Um, and then the black cauldron appears in the water and then the witches appear again. And so the witches are about to take the cauldron back and the bard's like, hold on here. We don't give anything away. And basically does to them what, what the witches did with the sword. And it, he did remind me of Merlin here because he was very crafty to be like, now, wait a second. We, yes. we are going to trade you something. You need to give us something. Um, and so they that's how they get the sword back. And uh, they trade the cauldron. And instead, that's what they were going to do. They were going to get the sword back. And then um, Taryn says, well, instead of that, I want to trade the cauldron for Gurgi instead. So Gurgi comes I back. Think it's, it's cool. I feel like everybody gets like a, a moment to shine except for... Uh, Ellen Wee. Yes. Like, yeah, because the Flim bard, Flam that gets, was that yeah. bard's moment, I and feel then like. Taryn has, like, a moment where he's like, you could be a great warrior, which is all he's ever wanted. He's like, no. like, he's Yeah, like, he wants Gurgi yeah. instead. Like, Gurgi has Friendship become his Friendship is friend. magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so then they all go off together, and we see that the pig is showing what is happening to Doblin? Doblin? The old man anymore. in the beginning. <laughs> Um, who is uh, caring for the pig. Dalbin. Yeah. Dalbin. He's now back. Hen is now back with Dalbin. And, and so is Dory for some reason. Yes. And uh, then the credits. And that's the end. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have uh, our question. Oh, I forgot. There's a fact that just popped in my head. So I was looking up the uh, uh, behind the scenes for this. And there was this whole thing. This 1981 where they're talking about it movie with Haley Mills talking about making the, the the Black Cauldron. You know Haley Mills from the original Parent Trap. She was like the parent the the, the teacher in the first episode of, of first season of Saved by the Bell when it was like Mrs. Something's class or whatever. Oh yeah. And she was you know and she was in Pollyanna maybe. I don't know. So she did all this stuff and she was like it's great to be here to do the voice recording for Princess Ellenway. And she did this whole special about her going in and recording the voice. She was not the voice of Princess Ellen Wee in the end, so oh, they ended wow. up changing it. 
Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> but it was a very charming little special. And then I was like, wait, is she the voice? No. Yeah. It's uh, Susan Sheridan and not her. <laughs> so, okay. So let's go over the questions we usually ask. Uh, how was the princess? However, the princess, I think, in this one is Taryn. Yeah, I... I, he was. He was okay. He was fine. He was I a mean, brat. And yeah. He, yeah. I, I honestly, I could take or leave him. I wasn't like super impressed with him. Your thoughts, Chloe? I was not really impressed with him either. Yep. Uh, let's talk about real quickly the true princess of this movie, and that is Gurgi. Gurgi is from now on the man, the protagonist of this movie. Uh, Gurgi was awesome. I love yeah. Gurgi. Gurgi went from a thief to someone who sacrificed himself. There you yeah, go. Yeah, he. It helped I two other characters character. find love for some reason. Yeah, that was another yeah. thing. There wasn't really a romantic thing between them, and he made him kiss. And even then, they just kissed him and went, ha ha ha, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. um, but yeah, I think Gurgi's character arc was pretty good compared um, to some of the others, especially. I do too. I think they, they led up to it well. I, I, I agree. Uh, how was the prince, which I think in this case is Ellen Wee, and I have to say she was very disappointing compared to the book. I'm I'm kind of bummed after hearing how you described her in the book. I wish they would have brought more to that. I think they could have. Like, there was no reason they, they couldn't have written her that way. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, Chloe? Yeah, she, there's potential there that just wasn't used. She started out strong. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like when she sure. first appears, she's very confident and very sure of herself and is like, oh, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and then she kind of fizzles out. Just becomes the, the handhold. Like he's just holding her hand as they're running. That's mm-hmm. it. I almost got like Princess Leia kind of vibes from her in A New Hope where, you know, Luke kind of... She, into, she's like, you're the one here to rescue me, but it's kind of... Yeah. She yeah. takes the lead at that point and rescues herself. But uh, the rest of the and movie. And then it kind here, of turns. Helen Wee is yeah. the one leading the rest. Well, real quick before we do the rest of the uh, uh, um, questions, because you guys were talking about there was a lot of potential here. Hopefully, Disney realizes this potential because in 2016, they re upped their rights to these books. Oh. So do you <laughs> think they're going to take another stab at it? Uh, I mean, who knows? With Disney Plus, I feel like I was overwhelmed so much with content. all the announcements yeah. that came out. I was like, "There's too many things." But it would be interesting if they did decide to redo it. Uh, these are the kind of Disney stuff I'd love to see redone because they always are like, "Let's redo the classic Disney." No, I they're great. Redo the ones that like it didn't work. weren't. Yeah, that didn't yeah, work. Yeah, that didn't and fix work them and, and try to figure different. out why they didn't work and and change yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. Um. Uh, how was the sidekick? Well, we talked about uh, the one sidekick now protagonist, uh, Ger- Gergi. Uh, how do we feel about Flynn Flam Flugerville? He was good. Again, I liked his his ending moment, mm-hmm. and I thought he brought a lot of humor to it. Yeah, I think he had a couple of couple of interesting quirks. The uh, instrument that would, you know, the strings would break whenever he would tell a lie. That was interesting. The fact that he was able to turn the witch's words against them was was useful and helpful uh his flirtation with the other witch was was painful to watch it was something yes yeah that was, was certainly something. something uh creeper i liked creeper a lot he was i liked that he was kind of delirious like like wild laughter like kind of he almost had a little bit of the vibe from what was the name of the guy from the original dracula 
Renfield. He had a little bit of a Renfield vibe to me, just just a touch. We watched the original 1930 whatever Dracula, and Tara was like, "I love this Renfield character." Renfield also, he's terrifying in that original. Yeah, one. but he's really good. Yeah, but um, what do you think of Creeper? Uh, yeah, he was good. My favorite part was the end where he's flying away with the with the horns and. I do, I do like a self-aware minion that's like, I'm free. Um, favorite musical number doesn't really apply for this one, but I will say I enjoyed the theremin quite a bit. Yeah, there was a lot of theremin. And the bard somewhat sings at one point, but it's not really a song and it's so short. It yeah. isn't anything. Um, how does it hold up? So drinking and smoking, there's a lot of wine and they're like... Yeah, in the, in the scenes where we first meet all yeah. those henchmen, yeah. Uh, ethnic representation, once again, all-white movie, potentially. I think it's an all-white cast. Yeah. Uh, guns and firearms, no, but there is a lot of scary, kind of intense scenes of violence and yes. and other things that you got to watch out for. Um, and, of course, female agency. I think we've pretty much given it the thumbs down, if anybody has anything they want to add on that one. No, I think we've talked about it. We've highlighted it enough. Yeah. Um, so now, of course, is the infallible <laughs> scientific... Uh, villain ranking uh chloe have you uh listened to an episode with our villain ranking i have but i don't fully understand what the scale is okay well listeners we'll be right back and i will explain the scale to chloe listeners we are back uh chloe understands he has been he has been fully uh, briefed fully briefed in the in the ways of the infallible scientific rating so guys let's go ahead and start uh frightening how frightening did we think the the horn king was clo i'm gonna give him a five because i mean he's a lich he's an undead skull guy (laughs) okay um i'm gonna give him a four simply because i thought he was very scary and, and all this but by the end like i had a big problem with like, they didn't do as much with him. He became less and less scary because he just was, like, standing there next to Creeper sometime. But I think, in general, he was very scary. Yeah, I'm going to also give him a four, but I definitely understand wanting to give yeah. him a five as well. I And I would agree with you as to why, but I do think there are some of those moments, like, when his eyes are glowing red and his death scene and just, like, the way we see him with that silhouette in the beginning, he's mm-hmm. very scary. Absolutely. Uh, funny, I'm going to give him a one. Yeah. Yeah, one. Yeah, not a funny yeah, his, character. Yeah, the humor came from Creeper, not from him. Yes. Uh, fierce. I'm also going to give him, I think, a one. I think he was a foreboding presence, but it, that's not fierce to me. I think he could have been. I wanted him to be more... You can give him something other than a one, but... I don't know. Chloe, you go. I'm thinking about it. I'm pushing it like a three, because he did make a very... Uh, fierce entrance at one point. Yes. And so I think that that warrants a little bit higher than... I think he did have a presence. I'm going to give him a two. Okay. Because I agree with you. When he first came on the screen with that silhouetted shadow, I was here for it. I was like, yes, this is like a really intense villain. And I was really excited for him. And I didn't know him. Right? So I had high hopes for him. I think I got a little disappointed as the movie went on. But there were some moments in the beginning where I thought, he was pretty intense. Effective. So he gets the cauldron. He activates the cauldron. He gets his cauldron born out the door. But he doesn't really. But and then. But he did. That's all he wanted to do from right. our from our understanding. So in a way, if that's his plan, like he did it. 
yeah. at the same time his plan sucked yeah. <laughs> like so to me i think maybe a three well do you evaluate him on his plan or do you evaluate him on executing I, the plan because i think in the maybe, past we've evaluated on if they execute their plan i think it's unfair to have such a vague plan mm. because his plan was I think it's vague in this case because it's like destroy everything. And he didn't destroy anything. I guess that is true. So there's yeah. that, he destroyed a door, I think, on the way out like, of his <laughs> yeah. castle. He destroyed mm-hmm. his castle. His own castle, yeah. So I'm, I think I'm going to give him a three. Because I think he does a lot of this stuff. Like he, he's a hard presence to get around, but I, I, I don't know. Chloe, did you, did you have a number? Three as well. Okay. Tara, what do you think? Yeah, I'll go three. You don't have to do the same number? I know I don't. Okay. I'm good. Uh, design. What I liked, I don't know, I guess it is considered design. I like that we don't see his face for a while. That's design because yeah. it's like clothed. Yeah, it's so cloaked. I do like that. I like that we don't see his face for a while. I like that he's very ominous. But then you made a point of the times when we do see his face, It looks different. like it's a different animator almost every time we yeah. see it. And that's big points off for me. Um, So I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to give him a three. Yeah, I think that's where I need to land on him. I think he would have been a five if it would have felt a little more unified. And, and also, didn't. I think if they kept him ominous for longer. Yeah. Close? Yeah, I've I've got him at a four. I definitely think he had a creepy one. I, I was te- It's a strong three for me. Uh, go away, Heat. Did anybody n- not like him or have a reason? Like, you thought he was scary? Or just I wanted more of him. Okay. You know, Me like, too. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a one, I guess, because I did want more of him. Um, Taryn had more go away heat for me than <laughs> King did. All right. Do we have yes factor for him? I know neither of you guys really knew him, so I don't know if you were super excited to begin with. But once you started gonna, seeing him, I'm going to give him a three because I was pumped from that silhouette. Like I, I feel like they set the bar high from him with how they introduced him. And then I feel like they didn't live up to it, but I want to at least give them that because I audibly was like, yes, I'm here for this. Like, yeah. I really, I'm really excited to see where this goes. I just think he then got. I was excited got, to see him show up and then disappear yeah. once he did. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. what number would you give him? I also have a three. I think I'm going to do the same one. All right. Hold on one sec. Let me move that. Oh, no. Where does he come? Is he above Prince John? <laughs> Ryan gets so upset when people oh, beat up Prince John. I think John. Prince John was was wronged. With a seventeen point seven, we have a new number fifteen, the Horn King, one below the Coachman uh, from Pinocchio, and one above Prince John. Wow, sorry, Ryan. I might put him a if I had to re-rank this at all, I might put him above the Coachman. Mm. which would be below man but above the coachman yeah. but so he's right falling out of what i consider kind of the like big big villains in ours but i do think that's a pretty good place for him yeah i agree i think it's a good spot for him uh chloe thank you so much for uh making me letting me make you watch this i know yeah for I, sure man um it was a great episode and i really uh, i think let's both think tara real quick for <laughs> honestly i mean it really wasn't I, I mean part of me i knew what i signed up for right because you told me a little bit about the book but i didn't know the movie at all so i was excited to watch it and i am fascinated about the connections and now after seeing it would you agree that zelda pulls from it or no 
in so much as Zelda pulls from like kind of basic and an adventure hero story. stories, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Dalvin really felt like the guy. I don't think I don't know if either will get this, but the guy like the first thing you do in the first Zelda is you walk downstairs into a room and the guy goes. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this and mm, gives you a sword. And, and that's you, what Dalvin yeah. felt like to me as that yeah. dude. Um, but yeah, I actually really enjoyed making the connections because it's not something I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. like the, the D&D world. So it was interesting to connect those characters to that world. Well, real quick, I know I thanked you, Chloe, but one more thing that I almost always forget to do, and that's what do you guys think? Do we put this in the vault where it was for so many years or do we put it up on our shelf? I mean, I've survived a long time not having seen it. And I... <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I'm kind of the same way, Chloe. Like, I don't want my time back. I'm, yeah. I'm happy I watched it. I'll say there there have been another one where, you know, I wasn't as... I keep referencing Pete's Dragon and I Everyone need to stop. Everyone knows you hate Pete's Dragon. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed the experience of watching it. I don't think this would be one I'd be like, oh, let me sit down so and watch it. So you put it in your vault. Your vault is just not your My show. vault is a drawer. Because okay, a vault, in, a vault is a little too intense. When you for guys me. think of Tara's vault, it's a drawer, not with no lock on it, but just a piece of tape that says vault. Like, <laughs> no, no, like, no. Where the it vault, says Andy, like Andy Andy's on. Andy's toys. <laughs> uh, the vault is Song of the Souths in the vault. Like that but, one needs to not but be pulled out. No, no, out. no. That's destroyed forever, and we have those. But like, you would just wouldn't watch this again. Yeah, probably not. Do you think you you wouldn't watch this one again? I don't think it would. I I did enjoy the aesthetics of the castle. And so there mm. might be a sliver of a chance where I might watch it again just to see some of those details to, you know, using a D&D game or something. But. I think this is one, I think I'd be more likely to throw it on in the background while I'm doing something else or whatever, but I, it's on my shelf. I think it's the weird one. Like, I'd be like, I, it's not one I'd go like, you should watch Cinderella. Like, I tell everybody, like, you should watch Cinderella again. Yeah, like, Cinderella's it's, it's, great. But this one is one I'm like, do you like this stuff? You should check it out once. Like I, I, I like it. I think it's a weird cult one, but I like it. Okay. So thanks again, Chloe. Uh, we yeah. ask our, uh, our guests if they want to plug something at the end, it can be a personal project. It can be somebody else's something that you really enjoy. It can be peace on earth. It can be whatever you want. So uh, plug away. I would encourage everyone to check out Dungeons and Dragons or at least some role-playing game. Um, I have found a lot of fun with that over the last six years. It has been a staple of my quarantine uh, this year, and uh, I think it's I think it's good. I think it, you get camaraderie, hanging out with your friends. You get to engage in some of that theater kid, you know, play acting. Um, there's strategy and combat. It's great. I love it. How many campaigns are you currently involved in? Because I know you DM one for our group and are in three others. I had to drop out of two because I'm like, I can't keep this much straight in my head. Yeah, so for our group, I'm running, I'm DMing one game. I'm playing in three others. I have another game that I DM once a month. uh, And then another game that I'm occasionally in. So six. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. It is a lot. It, it is it is hidden a ceiling of what I can uh, what I can take at the moment. Yes. Yeah. It has been nice in the middle of you know quarantine and all of that to still be oh definitely with your friends you know over over Zoom or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I would agree for listeners who aren't familiar just with role playing stuff in general. If you do have friends who do 
different role-playing games that aren't necessarily D&D or are. It, I, I will say I love the one that we all did. That was Monster of the Week. I really had a good time with that. So, <laughs> If I, you have a friend who does role-playing games, ask them about that. I guarantee they'll want yeah. to talk to you about them. Yeah, it well, may be like listening to someone's dream. But <laughs> yeah, but we also have a friend who's, I think, doing a Star Wars one right now. So, I, you know, I do think, you know, I'm not as versed in how many there are out there. But I do think if you have niche interests or niche interests, uh, there's a role-playing game probably out there for you. Don't yep. you think? I For sure. Yeah. Okay. Whenever this uh, whenever this goes out, I'll post in the uh, in the Facebook group some uh, some resources that folks can can take a look at both, you know, free rules as well as some live streams that you can watch, see people play and kind of get an idea of what it looks like to play. Great. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, you Chloe, for being here on the absolutely nerdiest episode of <laughs> Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. It's been a delight. Yeah. Happy to bring that nerd heat. So, guys, next up is uh, uh, we'll be going to uh, Merry Old London to uh, to watch the uh, Great Mouse Detective. And I believe we'll have a reoccurring guest, a yes. guest who's been on a previous episode. So definitely look out for that one. And thank you so much for joining us today. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is to at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh,